This podcast is sponsored by Collins. High quality primary and secondary resources for both students and teachers. Collins will help you deliver a knowledge rich and ambitious geography curriculum. Take a look at their range of atlases, revision guides and workbooks too. JogPod listeners get 25% off Collins Geography resources until the end of June 21. Simply head to collins.co.uk forward slash jogpod and enter the code jogpod at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to JogPod. Today I'm joined by Rachel Kay, who's Head of Geography and Lead Practitioner at Salandine Nook High School in Huddersfield. Thanks for agreeing to join me on JogPod, Rachel. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me, John. Well, listen, you're an SLE, you're a member of the, the GA's Secondary Phase Committee, and you've been doing that for 14 years. Yeah. You've done a number of workshops at conference, and at Conference 21, you did a piece about powerful knowledge and curriculum planning. And we've worked together. I've been to the school a couple of times. It's a lovely place on the, the Critical Learning for Achievement uh, project, which was funded by the DFE. And your school hosted the CPD there. That, that was a, it was a lovely couple of days. You brought in several schools, didn't you? Yeah, we got um, uh, quite six schools from in the uh, from in West Yorkshire, and they all came for the day. And then um, we had a three month gap, and then they came back to reflect. You're co-delivering a webinar in June, aren't you, with Becky Kitchen on curriculum planning, and it's also about preparing for the deep dive, which is what partly what we want to talk about today. I spoke to Ian Freeland not very long ago on an earlier podcast, and. He said some very interesting things, but what I think we'll be able to unpick much in much more detail is what it's really like for a, for a teacher's perspective, leading a, a department through this. Um, it, it's a new framework at the GA's 2019 conference. Ian told delegates that um, curriculum had replaced data as Ofsted's new unit of inspection. Um, and what he said was geographers should go back and look again at what they teach and how they teach it, this quality of education judgment. And uh, it, it's got the three eyes of intent, implementation and impact. And it, it puts people like yourself, the curriculum leaders, right at the heart of the process. I know you've written a, an article on this. It's in the spring 2021 teaching geography about the deep dive experience. So we'll include that on the, the web link with this, uh, with this podcast. Really, us talking it through will add sort of flesh to that and uh, it'll enable us to unpick the questions that people might want to ask after they've read the, the piece. So I want to start with the curriculum planning, which is really your intent. And I just wanted to ask you, how, how did you start planning your new key stage three. What did it have Ofsted in mind? Were you planning key stage three anyway? And what was important to you? 
Uh, we started uh, looking at what we already had as a key stage three curriculum and we did a really honest audit. We wanted to know really what was important to us and was there a theme and could we see any sequencing and did we cover the full extent of the national curriculum? And I thought, think that was really powerful for us because it really showed us what was important to us already and what then maybe we we needed to work on and and Ofsted's framework was really useful because you know we read through uh, the intent and what that meant and, and and we were able to then put that to um, our curriculum to see if we met what what um, the framework was suggesting um, and we found um, that our um, curriculum is very issue-based, lots of inquiry-based learning. And we found that there was a really strong lean towards environmental topics. And there were so many opportunities where students were em empowered to take action, where a fair trade school, but there were lots of other examples where they could take action. And But we did find that sequencing was at quite a basic level. So, for example, we had um, our introductory math skills unit at the start to bridge the gap between key stage two and three. But then there was little opportunity for us to then practice and, and refine these skills over time. And, you know, we had the development unit after population so we can build on the knowledge. Um, but again, we didn't actually fully cover the full extent of the national curriculum. So there were there was a lot of strength to what we already had, but I think what the, the, uh, the Ofsted framework has done has really helped us fine tune it so that our topics are sequenced well and they build on each other and there's lots of practice to practice and refine um, the, the skills and techniques over time. Um, but from doing that audit, I've, I've got to say that that was really important for us because it helped us look at what was the purpose of geography and what sort of curriculum do we have. And, um, and what we really found was that we naturally celebrated sustainability and citizenship without doing anything. We, we seemed to lean towards that. So we felt when we were working together and coming up with a departmental vision of what, what we wanted our students to know, understand and do, we thought that sustainability really needed to be at the core. Um, so, I mean, our vision is about offering an up-to-date and relevant and issue-based curriculum with that sustainability at, at the core. And it, it, for us, it was about really promoting that curiosity and wonder. And we wanted our students to be really knowledgeable and skillful and responsible citizens that really wanted to care about the future of our planet. And, and we wanted our students to be able to apply their knowledge and understanding to new settings. And we wanted them to be really critical in the way that they did that. So if we look at sort of rationalizing our, our vision, um, when we look at essential knowledge, I suppose for us, um, it was all about, we wanted students to have knowledge of all inspiring places and such as Antarctica and Machu Picchu or Old Harry. And we wanted our students to get excited about the natural world and how it's shaped. And we also wanted our students to be really knowledgeable about modern world issues such as climate change and plastics and fair trade and energy and sustainability within all these different contexts. Um, but our intention was that this sequence where you teach about the, 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 
beauty of the world and then you follow it with the issues that happen. We felt that that sequence would really fire our students up and inspire them to want to become responsible citizens. But, you know, world issues are very, if you want to mitigate and adapt to, to issues, um, we we, feel, we felt that students really need to be able to be empowered to take action. So they need to be quite skillful and critical in the way that they do that because of the complexity of all these we, these problems. So that's where you know we 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 gave opportunity where we wanted students to apply knowledge in different situations. So for us, it was about probably making connections between the local and the global, so that students could really see where they fit in and the impacts that they have in the local area and how that can um, support and, and uh, support changes in the wider world. We talked about critical thinking, didn't we, because of that uh, DFE course. Yeah. And it, it takes time to develop approaches to learning that encourage your children to be critical. So you need to be thinking about, well, at least I think so, you need to be thinking about what goes to make room for more resources to allow students to become critical because you need to have a series of things to be able to unpick, to be able to realise that some of them are less relevant or some of them are quite simply wrong. How did you do that? How did you make those choices? I mean, what was really important is that we've got an inquiry and skills pathway that runs as a full thread through the whole of the curriculum. And that's where students can really apply their knowledge and conceptual understanding to new places. And, uh, and within, say, for example, we teach students uh, about Hinkley Point C and sh um, should that really be built. And, and it's like you say, giving them a variety of sources where they can be really critical and looking at different perspectives and um, looking at um, OS maps and, and just looking at it from every single angle because uh, so that they've got them skills to be able to answer come up with an informed decision but have the backing and the evidence to do it and and you know we've looked at bias and um through the critical thinking course so i would say by doing that co course and, and hosting it it's really supported us in helping our students progress where they can think more geographical i've got another question here now just just as you were talking i just wondered where you go in the world and and have you plotted that as well. I've done this with teachers in the past before where we've, we've plotted on whereabouts in the world onto a world map we go for our case studies and sometimes there are blank areas of the world but as you spoke you gave a, a whole range of, of places. I don't know if you've got this at the top of your head but whereabouts do you go? You know when we look at um, our case studies it, it's very much based on um, relevant issues around the world and, and if we can we, we look in the news and um, and, and we we'll look we we'll look for relevant things that are happening you know and, and also there's nothing wrong with, with, with the textbook and, and if they provide a relevant case study that we think will really fit for example the Heathrow Airport DME has been really useful to us and that's in one of the, the local textbooks but then Hinkley Point C we feel you know is really relevant uh, when we teach about is there an energy crisis in the UK so um, and when we look at um, urbanisation, our DME is about the, the local area, choosing a local greenfield site and a local brownfield site that the students are aware of and they need to critically analyse, well, 
if you want to build a new housing estate, which one are you going to choose? And, and again, it's that same thread of, of um, giving them opportunities to um, use maps and, and um, look at different perspectives, different people's opinions before they, they're coming up to their informed decision. But if, if we jump further afield, you know, um, a lot of our curriculum, we do have a lot of UK based, but when we look at um, um, ecosystems, you know, I, I've been to the Amazon rainforest, I've lived with a, a tribe there and I try to bring that in. So we have, um, you know, um, examples of, of the Amazon as a case study. Um, so I suppose it, it's about um, the resources you have around you, what's easy access, but what we, if we think something's relevant, we'll create the resources um, or if there is a, a teacher interest or we, we know that students are interested. I'm going to ask you about the Amazon lace. I can't leave that one. I'm going to let it pass for now, but I'm going to come back to that. Um, the other thing I wanted to pick up on a little bit is you, you, you did say you did the map work right at the beginning, but it now sounds like you're starting to slot map work in throughout the whole of Key Stage 3 now, wherever it's relevant, ordnance surveys or any other mapping. Well, you know, we, we um, our curriculum has got clear pathways and these clear pathways have been really important to us because um, it means that there's a clear thread that runs through the whole of the, the, the Key Stage 3 curriculum and that allows our students to retain and build on their knowledge, understanding and skills and then being able to apply it to new situations is, is absolute key. So for us, um, if we want to show progress um, over time, it, it, it's a about um, having that map skills unit at the start that's linked to the local area. And then it's for us, it's um, over time retrieval um, starter activities where it might be a skill um, that they do, I don't know, a month later to do with grid references or measuring distances. But then it's we have two for, for each year group, we've got three um, decision making exercises where they and that's in the middle of the year and at the end of the year where students can apply what they've learnt and but put it into unfamiliar material using unfamiliar material and I think that is what really um, puts students to think more geographically and that they can use all the skills that they've learned in different contexts but the topics that we choose that I've mentioned uh, before is they're all modern issue based um, um, they're all modern issue based because we want students to actually see the the relevance and importance of geography in today's world. And I think that sounds exactly like what you're doing. Um, it, it sounds really interesting. I wondered what other challenges you faced when you were when you were designing that key stage three. You've, you've mentioned some, but are there any other challenges that you came across that we've not covered? Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose when you first started, when I first started looking at uh, designing a new curriculum, it, it was just knowing where to start. There were so many threads you've got to consider and it's knowing which, which bits do you do first, you know, looking at the past, what you already do, reading the theory so that, uh, and reading Ofsted's guidance for the framework and reading articles, how have other people done it? And then just looking at different approaches. And then it, I suppose it's just making those big decisions um, but it's not just about knowing where to start. It's actually setting time aside to do it. 
because, you know, as teachers, we're so busy with planning and delivering lessons, providing feedback, and things always crop up. And that goes for everyone in the department. So finding time where you can meet collaboratively, because um, developing a curriculum, I really think it's, it's important that it just doesn't involve just the head of department, um, but it, it is something that um, your department, the, at my department and members, you know, everybody's been contributing to, so they feel like it's, you know, it's ours. I hate to say this, but when I started teaching, there was no national curriculum. I've had people <laughs> say to me, what did you teach? How did you know what to do? Um, and because I started in Rotherham, which isn't that far away from the GA's headquarters in Sheffield, I spent most of my time down in the library, as was then, because the Geographical Association had a library uh, on Fullwood Road, uh, just picking up ideas from the Geographical Association about what a curriculum should look like. Well before the national curriculum, I have to say, that makes me sound like I was uh, born in the Carboniferous period, but hey-ho. <laughs> <laughs> So Ofsted, the Ofsted framework, of course, didn't impact on my planning at all. I went to the GA and I looked at what people were writing about what a curriculum should look like. How much did thinking about the Ofsted framework impact on your planning? Did it give you a new perspective or were you already clear on where you wanted to be? You know, I mean, we'll, we'll, we did like our previous Key Stage 3 curriculum, but it certainly brought to the forefront the importance of that building of, of key skills and, and sequencing to build on the retention of knowledge. And, and I, I think for us, it, it, it was about just fine tuning what we already had. Um, and, and, you know, we didn't meet the full national curriculum. So it was about just ensuring we had that full breadth. Um, and, and then, and, and then depth, you know, we really did think I think the, the framework really made us think carefully about why we were doing what we were doing. Um, and I think that was, for us, it was really, really important. Uh, and I think students have really benefited from that because, you know, there, just by sequencing something and students can really build on that, that we're finding students do retain it better. Um, so, so yeah, I think it was, was important, um, you know, I think it's important that we didn't start from scratch and saying what we did previous was no good. And it certainly wasn't that at all. It, it, it was just making sure that um, we could support students in developing detailed knowledge and just sequencing the curriculum to support that. And I suppose, like I said before, um, GCSE with results, you know, that did take a precedent. So, so actually taking time to reflect on Key Stage 3, um, you know, was, was important and has really helped us as a department. Okay, so you've, you're now feeling quite comfortable. You've done your, your refocusing of your planning and then you get the notification of an inspection. Now, you've been through five, <laughs> which is more than I, I went through, um, <laughs> But then, I, like I said, I had 15 years of teaching before Ofsted was even set up. So five inspections, you're a bit of an expert, really. So let's talk about preparing for a visit and what we're now calling or what they're calling a deep dive. How different was it for them? You now knowing that curriculum leaders are the focus yeah. and they're going to be talking to you, whereas before you weren't, perhaps weren't even sure that they were going to bother walking into it. A geography classroom how's it different from previous inspections 
Well, I suppose, like, in the past, like you said, you know, you'd have this swoop of inspectors infiltrating most departments, but giving that snapshot judgment about it, a lesson they may only be in 10 or 20 minutes and you're waiting at the end of the day, how have I done on that lesson? And it's it's completely shifted. You know they're coming to you if, if, if you're the chosen deep dive subject. And um, and it's, it's about, I suppose, Ofsted of spending the day with you. It's that in-depth, examination of your department where they're really monitoring the quality of your curriculum and I suppose um, there's that increased emphasis now on individual departments and that prioritizes the rationale behind the longer the short-term development plans and the quality and the experience of learning over time so you know um, a middle manager and the department you know we're really at the the center of, of it um, if you are at that chosen department uh, and in the past yeah you you didn't know if they'd see you at all um, and I suppose now you know you've got the subject lead interview at the start and and then there's lesson observations and there's book checks um, and there's interviews with the geography staff and then there's interviews with students. So it really, when they use the word deep dive, it really is a deep dive. It's huge, actually. Um, So what was the most valuable preparation for you in the department? What what do you think it was? Well, dare I say, um, mock, mock interviews were... Probably for, for, for um, a, a middle leader, the mock interview was really uh, important for me. Our, our senior leadership team had asked if, if um, each middle leader could um, do a mock interview just to reflect on the curriculum design. And, and, and I found I'd prepared myself with all these Ofsted questions and I had my curriculum plan and rationale and I felt that I really knew it. And it came down to it. And... I stumbled. It was hard to do. I didn't answer as well as I could. And, and it made me realise I need to practice. If it, I need to practice answering questions if I want to prepare for a meeting with an inspector. And, and I suppose um, we as a department had, you know, in-depth discussions about the, our vision and rationale. And, you know, that was for us as a department, I'd say that was the most important thing because by sitting together and just discussing at length the the vision and rationale, it it really did consolidate our shared values because the the inspection isn't just about what I know and what I intend. It's about what the whole department, what what our shared vision is. So I would say by it just brought us all together and we all knew uh, what we wanted uh, our students to know, understand and do. And, and then that really supported in how that, you know, is in- implemented, I suppose. I think I'm going to do a little plug for the geography quality mark here, because I think that's a similar process, but without an Ofsted inspector coming at the end of it, oh, it, can right. pose, it can pose <laughs> questions to you for, um, for the team to look at that are quite probing questions, but it's impersonal. And so it gets you discussing how the department feels and it pulls together a sort of departmental ethos, which might, which might not have been there quite as, uh, quite as intensely without those sorts of questions to, to make you focus on what are we all doing and why are we doing it and how is it all working together. So, that, well, that's just me. <laughs> but <laughs> I know where the... Uh, when I first joined the GA, that was uh, one of my first jobs was to set up the secondary geography quality mark. And I thought, there's no point doing a quality mark 
and then have Ofsted come and ask a whole set of separate questions. They're both wanting to, to reflect on why the department does what it does, what the outcomes are and how they measure it. So even still, I think the, um, the Ofsted framework and the geography quality mark are, are similar in the way that they pose those sort of deep questions. Right, so you're all prepared now. You've got yourself sorted. The department are all singing. You know what you're going to say because you've had your, your mock interviews and you've managed to clarify in your head what's going on. What's the meeting with the inspector like, the first meeting? Well, the first question that the, the Ofsted inspector asked was he came in holding a copy of the national curriculum and he wanted me to evidence how do I know I'm actually meeting meeting uh, the, the full extent of it. Um, and I suppose uh, the purpose of the meeting was just to evaluate our quality of geography um, education. Um, and it, what he wanted to know was, you know, what was the quality of our intent and, and did we have a rationale and, um, you know, for the topics, how we ordered them and how we showed progression. Um, and th there was a lot of questions about how we designed our curriculum. So I actually presented um, the curriculum as a programme of study and, um, and, and I rationalised so he could sort of grasp the bigger picture of what we intended our students to learn and there was a lot of questions about breadth and depth and uh, depth and I had to and I rationalized our chosen topics and the order in which they were sequenced and illustrated how our key concepts of sustainability and our common pathways were linked and but it wasn't just that it was about there were there was a lot of questions about um, knowledge and how how we support students in making knowledge stick so, you know, we discussed uh, quite a lot about retrieval practice and our low stake starter quizzes and various revision strategies and separating even larger GCSE topics um, so that students can revisit at different times of the year. And, and again, I just rationalised all the pathways like the skills and inquiry uh, pathway that supports that cumulative development of key skills. Um, and... The inspector was also interested in, in how we assessed our students. So um, I did show him uh, different um, examinations that we, we used to assess students using uh, familiarisation for students of short and extended questions and uh, using the full uh, breadth of the, the command words at GCSE and bringing them down into key stage three and using figures to prepare them for the next stages of learning. So there was a big discussion about assessment. And also the, the, the inspector was interested in staff and how we supported our staff, you know, how we collaborated and, and he wanted to, to me to take him through our fortnightly collaboration and how we supported our NQT, who at the time um, our NQT was a... Uh, non-specialist so there, there was a, not just about the curriculum it was about staff and, and um, ensuring that you know staff are supported. Really what you've done there is shown your intent without an intent statement and I've read a lot and there's been things bouncing around on Twitter about middle leaders being asked to produce really complicated intent statements. Yeah. Were you asked for an intent statement? Because actually what you've just done is stated your intent without having an intent statement. 
I mean, I did sh- I did share our intent statement, but it, it, I wouldn't say he asked. He just he just uh, wanted to me to take him through our curriculum. That was it. It was just like, can you ex- can you almost like can you rationalise the curriculum? You know, what topics have you got? What order? And you know, it was a just a relaxed discussion about um, how we how we did what we did and why we did it. So. What evidence did you, were you asked for? What evidence did you provide? That's my first bit of the question. And then the second one, how long did it take to put it all together? All right. Well, well, I just, uh, I just felt I, I wasn't asked to bring anything at all, actually. And, uh, but I, I just felt I needed prompts. I thought I'm just going to do myself a disservice if I don't have things. I might forget to say something. So for me, um, the, the night before when we found out we were having a deep dive, I ju- we, we have a, uh, a written rationale with an intent statement, but also a rationale. Uh, and within that, the, the programme of study is there and all the pathways. So I brought that. Um, and, and I suppose the biggest thing I used was um, I just opened up the programme of study for Key Stage 3 so I could point this is how we do it. Um, so I certainly didn't read through what was already written. It was just, it was just having something in front of me to prompt uh, myself and also uh, we had um, a sample scheme of work and I had a sample of assessments so if, if I um, and, and I did end up using that I, I used the assessments I used the scheme of work and I used the rationale so I, I think um, you know it, it was really important for me just because I might actually forget things and, and I didn't want to do that and I suppose uh, it didn't take that much time to put it together because it was it was already in place it was just a matter of printing things the night before uh, so not long at all oh, well I think I'd do exactly the same though I'd have to have things written down because otherwise I'd just I'd, it would just fall out of my head by the time I got there it's nice to have a structure but it was stuff really then it was it was all things that you'd put together anyway as part of uh, as part of looking at the key stage three Anyway, the changes that you were putting together anyway. So that went well. And then the next thing is lesson observations. So who's observed and how long do they take looking? To, because this is them evidencing what you've just said and making sure that what you've said is actually what you do. So how long did they observe and what was the focus of, of the observations? Well, the inspector said that he needed needed to see four geography lessons and my role was completely administrative. I just went with him and supported if he needed that. Uh, we have three geography teachers. So he spent, uh, well, both of us spent 20 minutes each in each of the lessons and then went to what the first teacher, we went back again a second time with a different lesson. So so there was four all together. And, um, and you, you're right with what you said, John, um, the inspector was collating evidence to, to show to show that we're implementing what we intended. So everything that I'd already spoken about in that first meeting, um, it was just about looking for evidence that that, that it matched. Um, so, so for example, um, we went in the first lesson and there was evidence of retrieval practice and skills and, and, and the, the retrieval activity was nothing to do with the actual lesson in terms of topic, um, but it was there and, um, the inspector did actually ask students uh, quietly, um, do you know why you're doing this? What, why are you doing this? And 
and they they were thankfully able to say well actually we keep practicing skills and that's really important so that we don't lose lose that um that that skill um and he he did note the behavior of the class and he noted the teacher's subject knowledge uh, um and but but i would say what really stood out was the quality of student workbooks it, that seemed to be really important so he did actually ask in, in the um, in the lesson, he chose just two students. It was random. He didn't have any data to choose um, a certain type of cohort. Um, he, he wanted to um, just um, take two books so that he could look at them in more depth later in the day and interview those students further. We sometimes get evidence for the quality mark, which is absolutely beautiful. It's a student's piece of work and it's absolutely wonderful. And you think, wow, wow, that's fantastic. And then there's another student's work that looks exactly the same. So then the question has to be, how on earth did they get to this stage? Is this just two students who copied something? Because they're both pretty much the same, but it's beautifully presented. And then you'll get some other work where students are really using their workbooks to brainstorm. And it's messy, but it's messy because they're building their learning as they go. And I wondered whether there was any sort of comment about what, what, the, what they were looking for in that workbook analysis, whether students' work had to be beautifully neat, and then you're asking questions about how did that all come about? What, do you know what I mean? I, I just... Yeah. I mean, we were actually, I mean, from the observations, there were eight books and we were actually asked to collect a further 12, which ranged between, we could choose whoever we wanted, but it was ranged between girls and boys, some disadvantaged and some send students. Um, so we had the full range and they asked us for um, just year eight and 11 uh, 12 books from year 8 and 11 because the observations in the morning had been year 7, 9 and 10. So they actually wanted the full spread of each year group. And it was quite interesting that once we had the, the books laid out in front, uh, in front of us, he said, I'm going to be quiet. All I want you to do is evidence everything that you've mentioned this morning. Can you evidence that in the books? So, for example, I looked for evidence to, to show that the concept of sustainability could run through all the different books. And I could sequence the fact that there's decision making exercises and students are applying their knowledge and there's, uh, there's evidence of critical thinking and there's evidence that the, the lessons have starter activities for the retention of knowledge and practice of skills. And so really it for us, it was just about evidencing what we intended students to do. Has it actually been implemented in the way that we want it? It's interesting. I, it's a long time since I've taught, so I, I'm going to sound like an old fossil here. But a number of my lessons, the students would be doing activities that didn't involve them in writing very much at all in their books, particularly with the sixth form. And when it came to revision, I produced revision booklets for them in the days when I'd have to, oh, well, there was no downloading of things off the internet here. I'd have to use software that uh, allowed you to turn things into, uh, I can't remember what it's even called now, but it, so that I could translate exam questions and things into a, into a book for the students. So they had a revision book 
their workbooks didn't read or record very much at all. And I felt quite, um, I, I felt that that didn't give Ofsted very much of an opportunity to, to see what I was doing with the students because they'd have to have been there. So does the experience that you've gone through make you think differently about how students use workbooks and, and how you as a teacher might think about their books? Well, I mean, the books, I suppose, reflect their journey um, and, and what, what the students are actually experiencing. And it paints that picture of what they've been learning over time. Um, so, yes, we've had that discussion on how important it is to map the journey within the books. But there's, there's a fine balance to be had, you know, um, where, for example, uh, really developing oracy at the moment. And like you say, you can't always evidence that in books when they're doing oracy. And there is that balance with, you know, we've talked in the past, do, do you have to flag up in the books that it was an oracy lesson? Um, but, uh, you know, so I can't quite answer the question probably, John, though, you know, but it, that's something that we're continuing to discuss uh you know that it, but it, it is that in an offset inspection in a deep dive yes you've got the books but there are interviews with students and there in and there are interviews with staff so for example if oracy is really important in our curriculum it might not be in the books but it will come through the the uh, discussion within within um, the the meetings and the staff meetings to show that there's that consistency of oracy across and I suppose with this, the discussions with the students as well, because if you've done a lot of those activities and the students are finding them useful and effective, but they haven't written anything, then you'll have students justifying why they've done what they've done right. to the Ofsted inspector, which then backs up what you're saying about uh, why you've chosen to do whatever it is that you've chosen to do. So you feel quite comfortable with that. Well, I think um, if, I mean, our oracy development is quite new and that was certainly not before uh, Ofsted. Um, but I think if it, if it had been, uh, that would be something that I would have said in the initial meeting. I would have said, you know, our intention is to really support students in building their oracy skills. And, um, and, and I will say this might not be evidenced in books, but you can certainly evidence it with uh, discussions with students and teachers. You know, but I do think at the same time, um, you know, if, if I'm saying that we apply apply knowledge and we, we support um, extended writing and we're doing um, lots of uh, skills, I, I I think that should be in the books because that does reflect what you're doing. But but yeah, it, it's like you say, if, if things can't be evidenced, there's got to be, I think, a, a balance where you can evidence it in different ways. So you've got that far, and now we're into afternoon meetings with the inspector. This is where the inspector, I presume, meets the students. So you've mentioned a little bit, but what's the what's the purpose of that one? Well, well our inspectors uh, were interested in how the curriculum had been imp implemented, but also how it had, had impacted on our students' attitude to geography and the progress. So it was very much, I think the discussion was all, uh, was very very much about stu how students felt about geography and what their attitude was. There, there were eight students in total. Uh, there were no staff presence. So everything I'm saying is, is fed back from the students to us. Um, but it was also about what knowledge they'd retained I mean, the inspector was interested in 
their learning and, and including that morning lesson that the inspector had visited. You know, they, they asked the students what had they learned and why and was it normal? Um, and also they, they asked them why it was important. They wanted to know, did they see the relevance of geography? And uh, inspectors were also keen to evidence if students' knowledge had been retained from previous years. And, and, and thankfully they did, uh, they did, they were able to say that. Um, but I think for, for us, what really became clear is that how important communicating your intent with your students as well as staff, you know, it's really important that, that students are aware of that bigger picture and not just teach the lessons as they are, linking it back, you know, to that sustainability and that citizenship, as well as obviously um, all the different knowledge of all the different lessons as well that they're retaining. It can be very hard, I think, with geography because it's such a vast subject. If you don't do that, then it can feel like there's no point to it. You're just diddling here and dipping in there and dipping in there. And there's no holistic picture if you're not careful. And it just becomes a series of disparate little things that that are all interesting in their own right, but don't necessarily add to a big picture. So I, I can see why you do that that way. They also meet all the geography staff, don't they? Well, the, the inspector meets the geography staff. So what's the purpose of that one? Well, again, like with the students, uh, they, they had a, an in-depth in -depth discussion on the implementation of, of the curriculum and, and if staff were able to remark on the vision and the rationale, you know, what did we intend our students to know, understand and do and how had they implemented that? And the inspector was also really interested in staff well-being and uh, and if they felt supported at departmental level and whole school level and there, there was a very in-depth in-depth discussion on approaches to staff training and development and and you know it was nice that the the, the staff could explain the the rationale behind our curriculum in depth and um and also share how we collaborate fortnightly and to share good practice and standardize students work and and that really supported um us in having an nqt that was um, a, a non-specialist uh, teaching in the department uh, and and so also they they did refer to safeguarding training and procedures um, so i suppose the key element of success was within that meeting was the positivity of the staff and and the fact that they had the shared knowledge of the values and policies and practices that that uh, we do in school um, so it was that consistency um, behind you know the intention behind the curriculum how did you feel before the inspection started about the whole process just you personally i suppose b b before I'd experienced it. I suppose it was that pressure, you know, it, knowing that uh, a deep dive is only in a few departments and it's that pressure that you can perform on the day and you can rationalise it and uh, rationalise your um, intent and you can do everybody justice. And I felt that we work so hard as a department and we collaborate so well, but it's that worry, can I get that across on the day and, and, and so there was that that pressure and I suppose not not just for within the department it's the pressure 
uh, within the school because not every department um, experiences that deep dive and you want to do well for your students, you want to do well for your colleagues and you want to do well for your school. Um, so, so yeah, I would say just felt that pressure. And I suppose that from that, that's why um, I really appreciated the mock interviews and the, the, the support within the department where we discussed the uh, rationale. That, that helped me enormously. I think it's a it's possibly a typical reaction of a self-reflective teacher to be nervous and worried. But with given the conversation that we've just had, I, I know what the answer to this next one's going to be, but I'm going to ask you, what was the outcome of the inspection? Did it go well? You know, it went really, really well. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, as a school, we maintained our good, which I'm really pleased with. And um, every all the feedback that I received is, is via our senior leadership team who said we did a tr tremendous job was the words of, of senior leadership. And uh, and I just feel really proud of, of the department because um, the, 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 the inspector had said that he was able to fully evidence the connection between our intent, our implementation and how it had impacted on our students. And in noted real uh, strength in our sequence of learning and and the rationale to support this and he felt that there was there was clear evidence of, of our key concepts uh, within students workbooks but but within a variety of contexts and we were we were praised for the consistent approach to the skills and knowledge starters and and the way that they had the decision making exercises at different times of the year and it, they also mentioned the critical thinking which was nice <laughs> <laughs> and, and literacy as well you know the fact that students uh, are supported in in writing extended pieces of writing to answer a question uh, where they have to make that informed decision so uh, but but having said that the inspector also said that he only felt we'd only just covered the national curriculum where we were at the time a two-year national curriculum and um and he felt we covered it but he would like to see it in even more depth um so he he very much welcomed the, the formal plan to move to a three-year key stage three curriculum that decision had already been made before Ref Ofsted um came but certainly that was important I'm going to ask you this, but it's probably obvious, but I'm going to ask you it anyway. Why do you think it went so well? Planning, I think, and collaboration. <laughs> um, I'm just so lucky to have um, a really um, hardworking, positive team, and we all work really well together. But also, I think, uh, support from school, just that, that careful and timely direction from, from our senior leadership team about um, directing, you know, we want you to... Um, rationalize and sequence and, and you, you know it puts that to the forefront of your mind and then you have to find time to do it so so it was being given uh, that opportunity to start being told you know let's get this going uh, but yeah you cannot do this alone having a team behind you is just you know for, for me it's just been amazing so what what next i suppose i i, I picked up some of them because you, you'll be looking at a, a three-year key stage three but what are you what are your current priorities now? We just want to strengthen our provision, you know, because we're moving to a three-year three year key stage three now. And, you know, so it's about 
for us covering the national curriculum in more depth and with new and existing schemes of work, developing our schemes of work or adding new ones um, that can integrate new knowledge into our larger concepts and just develop skill opportunity. You know, I think um, I'm, I'm a real big believer in these uh, students being able to apply the knowledge in different contexts and I think as geography is changing all the time and it's good just to be relevant and um, so that students can can link to their lives so it's just just continuing with that and and also just um, strengthening and communicating our connections with between the intent and how it's implemented so that that's as we plan our new schemes of work always linking that back to the reason we're doing it hmm. that's really interesting and i thought perhaps i should ask you to, just for some as we're winding up any any top tips any takeaway points anything that you tell us that's got links to we can put the links on um, on the job pod page so top tips what would you say to departments who are following you well, I mean, I, I would say uh, for us, uh, when reading the, the GA's uh, manifesto, a different view was, was really, really useful. And that was one of our starting points. And, and I would urge um, people to read around articles uh, and certainly the manifesto. Um, but again, collaborating as a department and in involving everybody. I think I think that was key um, key to um, to success and and just audit uh, having that national curriculum and, and doing a really honest audit um, about where you're currently at, what you do well, are you covering the national curriculum, and looking for patterns. You know, if 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 you're looking at concepts, is there any that shines through for you already with with what you've already got? So it's not necessarily completely starting from scratch. It's it's uh, building and refining on what you've already got and, and possibly just practicing the like a mock interview uh, dare I say that but that really did help me you also do a lot on twitter don't you so at northern jogger yes, we'll put well, that link up thank you well I'm actually quite new to Twitter. Um, I actually um, probably only joined um, at Christmas, so I'm very much new, but really enjoying it. It's a really fabulous community of geographers that like to share, which is really fabulous. Um, Don't they just? There's lots yeah. of stuff, isn't there? It's good. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you one last area, really, because you mentioned it at the start, and I think it's just fascinating, because you have, do have a passion for South America. And you took a sabbatical from teaching and you stayed with the Pavacachi tribe, that's right, isn't it, in Ecuador. I hope I pronounced that right. You had yeah. two months there. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been I mean, amazing. It, you know, it really was. Um, I mean, my, my passion for South America and, and the Amazon rainforest started very early on from being in a classroom doing a... Um, an Amazon rainforest project for my geography teacher and just being fascinated. And I always promised myself one day I want to go there, but not just as a tourist. I want to really get involved and, and uh, live with a tribe or, or, or work or something like that. So um, I joined a biodiversity expedition and that was collecting data for Global Vision International. And, um, and it, it was wildlife biodiversity. And, and we tracked and recorded um, wildlife eight hours a day. And um, 
at the time I could, I could actually um, identify over 30 different bird calls. We, we actually had a CD uh, and, and had to pr learn these bird calls before we actually went out. Um, but it was it was a fabulous experience because um, I'd always dreamed of going and um, and I'll never forget the flight in. Um, and this is in Ecuador and um, we, we flew in um, and it was just that hours plane uh, journey over the Amazon and just seeing the, sh the sheer size of the Amazon. You, you know about it. I mean, I listened to the podcast uh, uh, with Ian Freeland and you were talking about putting maps of the UK onto the Amazon to sort of see the, the size of it. And when I was flying all over and just looking in the distance and it was just, it was just incredible. And I think I've been teaching it for years, but never really, really understood the sheer size of it. And then at the end, when you look at a map and realise you've not actually gone that far in the Amazon, <laughs> um, it was just just crazy. Um, I mean, it was challenging as well, really challenging because of the climate and the clay soils. Walking quietly to, to um, collect data on clay soils when the terrain is very uneven and lots of trees that are logs that have fallen, logs on the floor from trees that have fallen and it was like almost walking through a uh, obstacle course constantly. So, so I needed to be fit and I don't think I was as fit as I needed to be. So, um, but just, just seeing animals and uh, hearing how loud they are at night and being able to get that across to students has just been amazing. It really does impact on your teaching. I mean, you're, you're, an enthusiast anyway, you'd enthuse anyone in geography, but when you've got real stories to tell like that as well, it just enhances the whole experience, I think. So it must have affected your teaching too. Yeah, well, well, do you know, it was only last week that I was teaching about river landscapes and we were learning about um, meanders and the formation of Oxbow Lakes. And I thought, I've got to get the picture of when we fished for piranha in an Oxbow Lake. And, um, and it was just, just really nice to talk about it. And students had questions. And, um, and I showed all, shared all the photographs of when we flew in, showing the, the meanders and the colour of the water. And we talked about, oh, you can see suspension. And where's that come from? Oh, it's the clay soil. So it was really nice that students could apply what they've learned with these with these photographs and 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 just showing them what a slip off slope really looks like and how animals might use that I mean there was a day that we actually went to a slip off slope and it was sandy and it was where the giant river turtles lay eggs and we'd spent the morning collecting all these eggs and hiding them somewhere else because apparently some tribes actually try to find them because they eat them so and we were part of a, a a, a conservation group so um so so that was just nice I mean I, I always teach about it when we we learn about rainforests and, and show the pictures but it's just tr trying to you know fit it into different units as well it's just I just like talking about it it's great I know we could talk about this forever but I think we'd better draw this to a close close I I am going to admit one thing here um the only time I've ever seen an oxbow lake how bad is this, is when I was flying over the Amazon rainforest and I stopped. I was going over to, to Chile with a couple of mates of mine 
And I had to pile over them because they were in the in the, the aisle seat. Yeah, they were in the, the window seat. Look at that. Look, at, I've got to take a photograph of this. It's an oxbow lake. And they were just <laughs> glistening in the sunshine. But I, I know what you mean. It's an absolutely huge, vast area. So when we talk about how much we're losing, yeah. that's frightening enough. But it's it's a huge, huge area that you can fly over for for ages. Hey, we, we ought to stop, though. <laughs> I, I could talk. We could talk forever. It's a, that's been fascinating. Everything that you said we'll, we'll link to on the, the JogPod site. So we'll put your article. Well, there, there are two, actually, two TG articles we'll, we'll link to. And anything else that you think is relevant um, so that teachers who want to follow this one up can follow it, because I think it's been fascinating for anyone who's got a, a deep dive coming up. Thank you very much, Rachel. That's been brilliant. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you, John.